What's up, guys? This is Austin again. Welcome to another week of key takeaways here on the Collective Podcast feed for our NIL and all 22 members. Thank you guys for all of your support. Uh, we genuinely appreciate all of you guys. Um, if you have any suggestions for this show or for any of the other shows here on our networks, uh, please let us know. We, uh, we're always looking for suggestions, uh, information that you guys might uh, be happy to dive into. Uh, we do have, actually, I'm going to announce it on here within the next couple of weeks, a new tool that we'll be dropping um, for everybody next year or you know, for most of our members next year. But for you guys, I think we're going to let you uh, have some access to it here to end the year. Uh, so more on that later, but uh, want to take this opportunity to let you guys know uh, some uh, new toys coming your way. And uh, I think some things that have a lot of growth potential with things to add on to them too. So st uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, but let's just jump right into our uh, week nine key takeaways here. A bit of a shorter episode this week. The article was a little bit shorter too. Because uh, I think weeks nine, really, like, really week nine, but I think week 10 too, is really kind of uh, playoff prep time. You probably know your range of outcomes in terms of making the playoffs or or not making the playoffs. I address both paths here in this week article. Um, so you're you know a lot of leagues are, are after week ten the playoff starts. Some if they have a, a funky playoff setup are, are done after this week. And in most leagues, you can make trades up until playoffs start. Um, and that can vary, you know, I, the leagues that I commission, we do like once that player's game kicks off for playoff week and week 11 or, or you know, week 10 or whatever, um, they are no longer eligible to be traded. So it's kind of a rolling like this week, you know, the games that kick off on Tuesday. Now those guys you can't trade anymore Wednesday. And then once you get to Saturday, obviously everybody would be off limits. Um, so check your um, uh, bylaws for your individual leagues. See what they say. Um, and, and I think, you know, as we always talk about in any fantasy format, knowing your rules is going to go a long way toward your success. Maybe not for a single year, you know, sometimes you, you can just build a juggernaut in one year, but on a week to week and, and year to year basis, I think that's very, very important. So let's try, jump right into uh, target leaders for the last month. I pulled the last four game weeks here. Uh, just did it on PFF. That's actually where, as I always cite in the article, that all the target data and the snap data uh, comes from because that is not something, to my knowledge, that is publicly available and able to be, uh, um, you know, scraped and posted on campuscan.com. So uh, probably, possibly in the future, if we can work out a deal uh, with with some sort of vendor. But this is what we're doing for now. So. Uh, I think, you know, this list, there are a lot of names on it that we would expect guys that show up on the weekly, uh, target leaders pretty much every week or, or close to it, especially you know, over the last month, Marvin Harrison, Jr., Noah Smith, LeJounte Wester, Tory Horton, um, you know, Jamari Thrash, these, Sam Wiggles. These are all names that I think if you had told me, guess the top 15 target, uh, receivers over the past month. I probably would have mentioned those names, like in Victor on here, Devontae Walker on here. I think those are all names that if you're pretty tuned in, you probably would have guessed. But there are some other names on here that I think are not where your mind immediately goes. And in general, especially for college fantasy, because there's not that much information out there overall, there's not that many people talking about it. It's not just like out in the zeitgeist in terms of, you know, everybody knows that Puka Nasua is having a great year in the NFL. Well, who's the college Puka Nasua? You know, we might not 
really be talking about him or, you know, the public at large might not really be talking about him because it's just not as many people playing the format. So some names that I wanted to highlight from this list that have been targeted through conference play pretty heavily and I think are discounted. If you are a contender, I think these are the kind of players that you can go buy or potentially pick up on waivers. There might be a handful of these guys floating around in your leagues that I think even if you're not relying on them as a weekly starter, they're really nice depth because obviously once trading stops, you know, you get by week hell in the regular season, you can go buy a player or two for a reasonable price to kind of plug in there. Once the playoffs start, unless it's open waivers or you have some waivers remaining, you don't have that option anymore. You are stuck with what you have. So having some of these kind of, you know, I'm pretty sure he's never going to get me 30 points, but I'm pretty sure he's never going to get fewer than 12. Those kind of guys can be a little bit more valuable as the season comes to a close here. And I think are worth rostering. And the one that I've been rostering the most, if I can get my hands on them, uh, well, two of them, Noah Smith from Sam Houston state, because Sam Houston state stinks. They still get literally no respect from anybody, but Noah Smith over the past month has 48 targets. He's turned that into 37 catches, 312 yards and three touchdowns. He also has a couple of rushing touchdowns in there as well, or at least, at least one. Um, this is a guy that, I mean, I, we've talked about him, I think three straight weeks on this, on this podcast and on the article that it goes with it. No, he's, he's available in a lot of my leagues. I still think he's under 20% roster on fan tracks. Now, a lot of that I think has to do with, uh, you know, best ball formats and, and in a lot of C2Cs and other kind of formats where you have limited waivers, a lot of people have already used all their waivers. So he's not, you know, everyone's just kind of staring there looking at him on, on waiver wire as he, uh, continues to build his profile there. But if you have additions left, I, I think he's very easily a nice ad there. I think he's shown Sam Houston State and the rest of their schedule. There's nothing daunting on it. There's no uh, weeks that you're trying to avoid. And this offense, for whatever they did in the out-of-conference, is just throwing the ball all over the place. There's actually two Sam Houston State players on this list. Malik Phillips is further down. And there was a third that was close. I, f- I forget who it was off the top of my head here. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but I mean, that, that offense is just throwing the ball all over the place. That's what we want for, for fantasy. We just want volume. We want a lot of opportunity. Noah Smith's getting a lot of that opportunity. I think he's a guy that's still extremely cheap. And if somebody has him in your league and they aren't going to make the playoffs, I think he's a guy that I'm comfortable offering. I don't know at this point in the year, a sixth, a seventh, an eighth, somewhere in that round supplemental pick to go get him. Right below him on the list is Kenneth Womack at Western Michigan. He's probably even cheaper, but he's been incredible over the past month. He's got 46 targets over that time, 36 catches, 281 yards, and one touchdown. Um, you know, I, we've talked about this a lot. Like, this is a, a, an extremely low A dot slot only, 96% of the time in the slot. That's that's pretty crazy. Um, you know, he, he's catching everything around the line of scrimmage. He's not really averaging a ton of yak per reception, just over six yards per reception, um, which is not not great for uh, some of those guys that kind of operate around the line of scrimmage. They generally can be a little higher than that. So um, he's he's just getting peppered with targets like, you know, last week, five catches on eight targets for 50 yards. That's not an amazing performance. But if you're in a real pinch, those 10 points or seven and a half points or whatever, that's not awful. And he has put up double digit catches in two of his past four games. Um, so he's not much of a touchdown threat. They're not high value targets, but again, a guy that's just gonna, gonna go out there. You know what? You're probably going to get close to 10 ish, maybe even a little bit more than that targets per week. And if you 
if you told me every single player that I'm starting this week at the receiver position was guaranteed to hit 10 targets this week, I would probably take that. A couple other names on here that I think are still probably too cheap. Uh, Will Pauling, who's at Wisconsin, has 41 targets over the past month. And the reason why I think he's pretty uh, attainable is because if somebody in your league drafted Will Pauling and they were relying on him this year, he probably screwed them in the first few weeks of the season. I, I looked the first four games that Wisconsin had this year, 19 total targets in his next four, as I just mentioned, 41 targets. He's been their go-to guy. Is he performing uh, statistically like, you know, just out of this world? No. During that time, 26 catches, 271 yards and two touchdowns. But that's, you know, that that's really, really not bad in that Wisconsin offense. Um, he seems to be the go-to guy there. And again, just, just guaranteed volume is really, really nice. So he's a guy that I think is, you might be able to pry from the manager's hands because they might not be in the playoffs at this point. Uh, Jamori Macklin. Uh, I think he's Jay Macklin on fan tracks, if I remember correctly. Um, he's been really good the past month or so. Um, NFL bloodlines, not that that really matters for anything, but his cousin uh, is Jeremy Macklin, who was on the Eagles for a while. And I think bounced around a little bit after that. Over the past month, 39 targets, 26 catches, 355 yards, and six touchdowns. Those six touchdowns, you know, that's probably not quite sustainable. But those reception numbers are not bad, and that yardage, he, he's definitely been an explosive threat there for North Texas. And again, another offense that's really going to throw the ball around quite a bit here to end the season. It seems like Chandler Rogers has uh, kind of you know, gotten into a groove, and their schedule down the stretch here uh, is not particularly strong either. Um, so, you know, just just due to the conference at that, that play in, um, it's it's not amazing. So uh, North Texas uh, as a whole, even even Chandler Rogers, I think, is an interesting guy to take you to uh, the rest of the season. Um, a couple of the names that I just highlight on here, because, you know, I think everybody else is probably going to be pretty expensive. But obviously, if the last place team has Lincoln Victor, yes, you should be approaching them to get Lincoln Victor. Uh, or Malik Washington at Virginia, or you know any of these guys. But the other names on here that I did just want to highlight: um, Chris Mitchell at FIU. He's pretty good, um, quite frankly. This offense throws to him a, a pretty good amount. You know, obviously he's he's on the list for targets, but he is pretty versatile for them. That they, they use him in a lot of different ways in this offense. They don't have a huge passing offense to to speak of. So he's if they're going to move the ball, it's probably going to be through him. Uh, I think people don't really value him like they should. He's been a guy that I've added a lot of this year uh, and, and has been like very consistent between like 13 and 22 points basically every week. Like that's awesome. Uh, Joey Hobart, who I mentioned, I think in last week's article at Texas state, he's their leading receiver. Uh, that's an explosive offense. Just give me pieces of explosive offenses that are seeing pretty good volume. Uh, Cause that's, you know, he has 32 targets in the past month, but they had a bye week in there. So that's really over 10 targets per game. Uh, Reggie Brown at James Madison has 31. He's been pretty good over the past month. Um, as they're, they, they kind of have two receivers that they like to throw to. Um, uh, don't have the other guy's name in front of me. Um, a little bit of a younger guy, but they're both interesting. I think Brown is probably going to have the better stretch to end the year than Ricky White at UNLV. And Ricky White, they, you know, depending on who's holding him, they may have had him for forever and they're tired of the ups and downs they might be willing to move him. He's got 29 targets over the past four weeks. And I believe their buy was in there as well. Um, so, you know, close to 10 targets and he's had some really, really big performances 
uh, over the past month. He's been he's been pretty dang good. So those are like the the guys that I think are probably too cheap uh, right now. There are obviously lots of other players out there too that I think you know could be primed for a, a nice run down the stretch here. Guys like Robert Lewis at Georgia State, uh, Colin Lacey at South Alabama. Really, what I just recommend you do is you go to your league, you go to the teams that are out of the playoffs, have no chance. And you just scroll through their roster, you see what they've got sitting there. And if they've got something that looks appealing for what you're trying to do this year as a contender, then that's where you should go. If you're not going to make the playoffs, earlier in the year, I would have said go for CFF producers. You can probably sell them to contending teams for a pretty decent price. You know, a second, third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in that range supplemental pick for next year. I think... The time to do that has now passed. I don't think most contenders are going to want to spend that level of pick on a CFF guy. Um, if you're curious that they might, certainly ask around. Um, I know like in limited waiver leagues, I have a couple leagues where there are teams with several claims left. And in one league, I've already pulled this off where I messaged them and said, hey, I, we can't trade waiver claims in this league and I don't have any left but I will trade you X pick for two. Essentially you'll pick up two guys for me and I'll give you a fourth round pick or a third round pick or whatever. And um, I, I've pulled that off in one league. I'm about to try to pull it off in another league. Um, that one's going to be for kind of more stash type of guys. Um, but I think that's also a decent strategy at this point in the year on either side. But if you have picks left and you're not going to make the playoffs, you can either do that or you can you can use those those waiver claims for some stash options. Um, and it's up to you to decide which one you would prefer. I would say, you know, pros and cons uh, of each. If you're, you know, the 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 trading the, the claims away, I think has a chance, uh, especially if you have multiple, you know, if you can you can package them together and get a second or a third round pick out of somebody. You'd probably rather have that than some stashes with how the transfer portal works networks nowadays. It's a little more. Uh, tricky to predict exactly where players are going to be on depth charts as we approach the spring and the off season. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of a, a point of thinking, but also, you know, if you've got two picks left, you can take two dart throws and sometimes you just prefer the dart throws. So that's really up to you. Um, you know, you can, you can decide which of those you prefer, but I would certainly, if I'm looking to make any trades, even if my, my playoffs don't start for another week, I'm probably trying to make those moves this week just so I don't have to scramble at the last minute um, and or deal with any kind of, you know, by uh, uh, this team kicks off on Wednesday and we didn't realize it. And now we can't trade them anymore type deal because that that I've seen that happen before, too. So um, kind of went off of target leaders, but I think that that kind of covers everything in there. Freshman snap counts. I've already dropped the uh, freshman snap counts. Uh, updated Excel sheet for this week into the uh, Discord chat. If you can't find it, let me know. Happy to send it your way. Um, I mean, I think the list is pretty solidified at this point. The names that we're going to see here, we've been seeing on this list for the past uh, month or you know at least handful or a couple of weeks. Uh, Jalen Rayner, uh, Arkansas State QB, Tiger Bachmeyer at Stanford. Nick Harbor is getting still the the starter share of snaps, as is Malachi Coleman. We talked about them both last week, highlighted them both. London Humphreys at Vanderbilt. The Notre Dame freshman wide receivers, Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores. 
Uh, Carnell Tate is the really surprising name, and I'm going to get to him here in a second. Kevin Concepcion, I mean, he's he's NC State's leading receiver at this point, and Eric, Eric Singleton Jr. Uh, has been really productive for Georgia Tech too this year. Tate, I think he, he doesn't even have 200 yards yet this year, but he has still exceeded my expectations. And yes, it took an injury to Emeka Buka for this kind of rotation to uh, shape up in his favor. But that's the whole, that was the whole point of kind of what we talked about with him all offseason. All it took, he was probably the fourth guy on the, the list, on the depth chart. If you're rolling three out there and one of them gets hurt, I mean, that, it, you can easily do the math there in your head and say, oh, if he's the fourth guy and one's gone, now he becomes the third guy. And that's basically what he's become. He ran, um, he was out there on almost 60% of the snaps this week. He played a similar amount the week before. Um, like, I think this is a guy, he's he's broken the year one zero thresholds. He is just, I think, very clearly the next in-house Ohio State wide receiver like that's just going to be really really good there so these are all amazing things i wouldn't fault anybody if carnell tate was their wide receiver one in the class today and i know zach branch has been probably has been more productive than tate and is also attached to a good offense um but i also know that some people get a little squeamish about an undersized guy um you know at the receiver position it doesn't really make me squeamish but if, if that's kind of freaking you out a little bit then i get why tate uh, could be your wide receiver one as well. And for what it's worth, he's my wide receiver three in the class still. But um, I, I think the top guys, Branch, Tate, and Jonte Cook are all uh, pretty close at this juncture in terms of how I value them. Uh, a couple of other names to highlight that were not on the list. Uh, one good, one bad. Mark Fletcher from Miami uh, returned this week. He's been out for a little bit with an injury. Had 11 carries, 44 yards. Had a couple of targets as well. 44% snap share. Um, I think the staff likes him. So I think he'll continue to get uh, some run. I don't think he becomes a bell cow at any point this year just because they have a lot of other bodies there. Um, but notable uh, for Fletcher, if you're holding Fletcher somewhere, um, you know that that's a good sign for him. And then Dante Moore did not play a single snap this week at UCLA. And that's a little bit concerning. Uh, we've speculated somewhat jokingly, somewhat not on other shows over the past week or two that uh, there might be some uh, trouble, some drama brewing there at UCLA uh, for Moore, who was certainly making some freshman mistakes. But they're the kind of mistakes that if you're starting a five-star true freshman, you are kind of expecting them to make, kind of have to let them work through it, generally speaking. Um, so does he leave there this offseason? He very well could. Ethan Garbers has looked pretty solid for UCLA. He's not a ceiling raiser at all, but if Chip Kelly just needs a guy to run his offense, he might just roll with Garbers the rest of the year. Um, even Colin Schley got at least one snap in this game. So more, you know, I don't know how they're going to deal with the situation, but the fact that the last two weeks were probably the weakest games on their schedule for the rest of the year was Stanford and Colorado, and he got no run in either leads me to believe that they aren't interested in rebuilding his confidence this year. They're more interested in let's try to win some games. And if they don't feel like Moore is the quarterback that's going to do that for them, they're willing to pivot elsewhere, even if that means that they're burning themselves for the next year or two if Moore transfers to somewhere else and goes on to be the kind of quarterback that we think that he can be. So fun exercise there. Um, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening uh, with Moore. Waivers for the week. Um, you know, 
at this point, a lot of you are listening to this section. You probably don't have any waivers left. So this is probably not relevant to a lot of you or a lot of your leagues. I know in every league that I have limited waivers, I've used them all except for in one league where I have one left and I'm planning on making that move this week. Um, so just some names out there. If you've got open waivers or whatever and, and you are looking for some you know playoff depth as a contender, Chandler Rogers, Joey Aguilar, Jordan McLeod, Mikey Keene are some guys that I just want to highlight that are that are available um, in a, a pretty good portion of my leagues overall. Running back, uh, I see Jalen White floating around a little bit out there, Georgia, Georgia Southern, and he's been pretty productive the, the past couple of weeks. Now the backup running back there, Arnold, has been injured, and I don't know his long-term status. Uh, but in the meantime, White's been pretty good. And then the other guy that I still see floating around quite a lot of places, and I, he got dropped a lot because I think people were uh, wanting to start him more as a quarterback is Zach Larrier. But he has running back eligibility, and with the amount of time that the ball is in his hands every single week, uh, if you are a playoff team and you just want some running back depth and you know that he's probably going to get you at least 9 to 12 points per week, really hard to argue with that. So he's floating around out there as well. I don't really highlight any receivers because quite frankly, I think in all of my leagues, more or less, all of the, the wide receivers are pretty well uh just that 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 group is no longer really you know there for the picking. The last two guys that I think that really came through were Jalen Royals and Alec Ao Minor, who some idiot came on the show and told you a couple weeks ago not to go get him. It's my bad. Um <laughs> I think he is an ad at Minor if you uh, are looking for some production out there, even though I know that he left apparently the Stanford game this week with an injury, um, but only a second-year guy there and I think has some potential. So uh, as I talked about last week, you know, Stanford offense, they want to run a lot of plays. They want volume. They want to be explosive. Um, so, you know, maybe you're, maybe he's even more of a stash option for you. He's not really a guy that you're looking to come in and start for you this year. I think that's a very reasonable way uh, to look at him. And he's been actually uh, looking at the uh, targets over the past month. He is uh, sixth in the country in targets over the past month with 43. And he did that in three games. Every other guy on this list around him uh, did it in four. Malik Washington at 13 is the next closest that did it in three weeks. So uh, just crazy productive. 31 catches, 539 yards, four touchdowns. Very, very interesting player. Pretty rare that you see at a Power 5 program a guy kind of come in seven games into the season or whatever he did and really kind of light the world on fire. Uh, but he has. So we shall see. And I'll be monitoring that injury this week because I do think he's um, kind of an interesting player again in that Stanford offense now. Uh, we have a really good – we only have – we only have one athletic measurable for him, and I'm pretty sure it's on-field speed in our campus camp database, but it's like 80th percentile. So, I mean, we don't have the rest, but he's 6'2", 210, and moving at that kind of speed. I think his his top comp in our thing is Brashad Perryman. Um, so, you know, a free guy is late in the season if he's out there. Uh, you know, you could do a lot worse than than a guy that uh, is pretty productive in college and goes on to be a first-round NFL draft pick, whether he should have been uh, or not. It's a different story. Uh, some stashes. I'm just going to point you. I, I highlighted a few in the article here. Amari Thomas at UAB, Devin McEwen at UTSA, and uh, Jace Brown at Kansas State. But I'm just going to point you toward uh, chasing the natty this week. The the early week episode that 
Jared already has out um, for just some really good like dynasty CFF dynasty, but it's essentially the same thing in terms of stashing more or less. Um, go ahead, listen to what Jared has to say uh, and just quite frankly, follow his lead on that one. The one sneaky position that I did put on here that I'm really interested in is the Florida state running back room. Uh, if you can get one or both of the run, the backup running backs there, uh, Lawrence Tofili, Rodney Hill, uh, I would go ahead and do that because I think uh, the there there are s- several scenarios that can play out with that running back room. They could hit the portal. Florida State loves the portal. Maybe they go get a running back. In that case, you know, not really that much value there. But the other the other scenario is they don't hit the portal, and it's one of those two, and either they share the load, and that's Probably a guy that even on a bye week, if it's a good matchup, you could probably plug in because both of them have had decent weeks here and there. Uh, the other option is that one of them ends up becoming the bell cow there, and that's a pretty valuable uh, position for fantasy than Mike Norvell starting running back. So um, that, that's that's the last one that I, I'm kind of paying attention to. I have a good amount of Toa Feely in some leagues that I've had him for like three years um, and hoping that, that year number four is the big payoff year. Injuries to monitor. I only highlighted three this week. They're actually... Thankfully, weren't a lot of fantasy relevant ones that occurred during the game. Ashton Genty, a big one, went down, uh, did not return. Uh, as college coaches tend to do, their head coach said after the game, you know, very vaguely, we don't think it's anything that's going to keep him out too long. That's good. You know, what does that mean? One week, four weeks? I don't know. Usually in those scenarios, I'm probably treating it as a, as a multi-week injury. I'm not. You know, he could be back by the year end, but if you have him and you've really been relying on Genty, I mean, it's going to be hard to go out onto the the, the trade, uh, you know, block and find a guy that can replace him. But um, I would probably advise it. I wouldn't chance it. Now, maybe, you, you know, your playoffs start week 11 and you've got a buy. So you think you can eat the next two weeks and he'll be back. Very possible. Uh, and, you know, your level of, uh, you know, risk management, risk tolerance, uh, is really going to determine whether you're comfortable doing that or not. Two other running backs that went down this week, Braylon Allen, leg injury, didn't come back. Um, They had like a Sunday night practice of some sort, apparently, where he basically didn't participate at all. Uh, Not terribly unexpected. If you've ever been an athlete and suffered an injury and, you know, it's kind of serious, you you probably aren't really doing that much the, the day after. Probably trying to rest it as much as you possibly can. But didn't sound like Luke Fickle was too positive about him being back for this week. So, you know, if you have Braylon Allen, I, I think he's probably going to have to be a sit this week, sadly. I don't have a good, firm understanding of or grasp of, on how long he's going to be out yet. They, he might shut himself down. Who's to know? Who's to know? Uh, and then Jade Knott, uh, running, uh, running back for Cal, uh, had like 160 yards and three touchdowns in the first half against USC, then got injured, didn't come back. I'm treating this as a multi-week absence as well as of this morning uh, monday morning he didn't have a flag yet on fan tracks but i think one will pop up and i'm not i'll be interested i'll be if i find some more news i'll share it with you guys uh in the discord for sure um my last two sections here this week and it is a shorter article than usual because i find that some of the advice that i was giving or the the weekly data that i was giving is probably it's more like a season-long approach now that we're just kind of we're, we're really kind of fine tuning what we're looking at coming into the last few weeks. Like if you're a produce, if you're a contender, you're looking for production. If you're not, you're just looking to see how much value you can stockpile for next year. Those are like really just the two goals by week nine. Again, I like because the short season, 
you probably know whether you're making the playoffs by now or not. There are some, I think I have two leagues where I'm like, you know, five and four, four and five right on the edge. And those ones I'm still trying to get in because I think my team uh, is like, it's like a top three or four scoring team. Like I think it, it can win if it gets there, but um, you know, some still some question marks, but I'm, you know, treating that team like it's a playoff team. Here's what I, here I broke this into, you know, here's what I'm doing if I'm preparing for the playoffs. Here's what I'm do, it, doing if I'm not. And, you know, just the, the couple of pieces, the tips that I have for preparing for the playoffs, uh, there are three of them. Uh, don't trade away your first round pick, supplemental pick for next year if you can help it. And there are some situations where I will. And I'll talk about that here in a second. Um, are you addressing, like, uh, are, you, are you going to be able to fill your roster after the season is over? I think is a really, really big one. Uh, you don't want to make too many moves so that you cannot do that. Um, because those those roster spaces and then the you know the the picks and the waiver claims that that lead to them uh, are probably the most valuable you know non tangible asset or whatever that that you can have in in uh, C two C leagues on the college side of things, and then um, obviously just like you know making sure your team's as strong as possible as as many producers as possible um, that that and as many high end producers as possible uh, that you can win so. Uh, the reason I say don't trade your first round supplemental pick, uh, we'll hit this point first, is that those first round guys, partially because they're like legitimately good players, and then partially because the market says it's so, they don't lose much value after year one. There has to be just really bad performance year one to have those players kind of lose their value. So even like you, you spending that first round pick does not mean it's going to be a good player, but that player is probably still going to be viewed as good going into year two. And you can do, in my opinion, more in terms of trading with Cedric Baxter than you can with a supplemental first round pick. Like if those are just, you know, the two assets as they sit beside each other, Cedric Baxter is probably more attractive to somebody than a supplemental first would be going into this offseason, if you see what I'm saying. So the only way I'm moving a first round supplemental pick now at this point in the year is if the player that I'm trading for that's going to give me CFF production is also a like legitimate draft prospect in their own right. You know, the Malik neighbors uh, owner is, is shopping Malik neighbors and you can get him, you know, with, with the first round pick somehow involved in that deal that, that would never happen straight up. But um, you know, if you have to include that and to get him, because not only is there value immediately, but there's also some future value there. So, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, trading that first round pick for a CFF producer, that CFF producer probably not always, but, you know, probably at least from like a projectability and uh, market value perspective will probably never actually be viewed as valuable as that first round pick is. So avoid trading that first round pick after the first round, though. Really, I think any of those picks for me generally in my leagues are up for grabs because that that those those like obvious good young freshmen, that pool of players dries up really, really quickly. And just to give an idea of uh, the top 12 freshmen after, you know, the offseason this year uh, included the following players, uh, Malachi Nelson, Justice Haynes, Cedric Baxter, Dante Moore, Zachariah Branch. Jonte Cook, Brandon Innes, Jurion Dickey, Arch Manning, Mikhail Lemon, Nico Iamalieva, and Carnell Tate. Now, two of those have 
at least for the moment, uh, lost a lot of their value, Innis and Dickey. And I think depending on who you talk to with Lemon, a guy that's broken year one zero thresholds, um, and he, I, I think he's actually going to be a huge buy this offseason. This is a, a, just a complete tangent. But that one week, where, that one practice, it wasn't even one week, that one practice where they used him at corner because that he played both ways in high school has like totally dented Makai Lemon's value for no reason. I still don't think there's any real... I think he's still going to, com- to compete for one of those starting spots next year at wide receiver for USC. So uh, he, he may have like lost some value in the short term, but depending on how the next two or three months, as long as USC doesn't like hammer the portal at wide receiver, I th- think that value is going to rebound. So like really two of those guys have kind of lost their value. 10 of them have retained it. Like that's, that's pretty extraordinary. If you start dipping into the handful of guys that were right after that, you've got uh, Jackson Arnold, um, uh, Ruben Owens, Cam Seldon, Roderick Robinson, like those guys, like you can just see how quickly that drops off where I don't think any of those guys quite hold the same value that they did coming into the off season or into the season. So that first round, those picks are just like, I mean, they, if you're drafting a player there and you're not just totally screwing up the pick, um, like, you know, going outside of the consensus 12 or 13 or 10 or whatever it's going to be next year. Um, you're, the, the odds of that that player retaining a lot of value is, is just really, really high. So um, that, that's kind of, you know, why I'm not moving in any of those picks. Um, let, let's just, you know, just acquiring good players is as simple as that for the CFF push. If you still think you're a little light somewhere, just go hit up the bottom three or four teams in your league and see what they're, they've got sitting on, on their roster. That's like just really the only way to do it because it's, you're gonna not really gonna have a lot of success going to another playoff team and be like, "Hi, let me buy your play your playoff players off of you for my playoff push." That's just not really how it's gonna work. So, yeah, you know, that's just I can't really give that man that much advice for like names to target. Uh, last week I did give out you know softest remaining strength of schedules. If you're looking for some teams to to target specifically, you can certainly go look at that. But it's like just it's really hard to give advice when I'm telling you players that might be on another contenders roster and they're not going to sell them to you like just straight up so if you have any questions again there's always I, my dms are open you can ask uh, the group on 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 discord or whatever else and we can start trying to point you in the right direction um and then the last point and i actually think this is the most important point is that you need to make sure unless you have an unlimited waiver wire league and if you do then you can just skip over the next you know minute or two of this show this really isn't relevant to you unless you have unlimited waivers you should be making sure that you have enough draft picks to fill your roster up or whatever you think you're going to need to fill your roster up going into the off season. So if you look at your roster and you say, I think 18 of my, you know, 45, that's kind of standard. We're just going to roll with it for this example. 18 of my 45 players are going to be gone after this year. You need, and you're trading away a third round pick for uh, a play another player that might be gone after this year like you need to make sure that you're getting a 15th round pick back or whatever your last round of your draft is most of the time people are okay doing that Some, sometimes they're not whatever um but getting that pick back to reload your bench is super valuable because of the depth of college football because of the amount of like just realistically dart throws that we're making every single year and because unlike your NFL roster, like, yeah, you have some like stashes, but that's, and especially in a C2C, what like your taxi squad and stuff are for, 
in college, your bench spots basically have to serve like one of three roles. They have to be a Debbie player. They have to be a college fantasy producer, or they have to be a stash that's going to fit into one of those two categories, preferably within the next year. And if you're, if you're leaving those spots open, you're effectively lessening the chance of hitting a Debbie player, a CFF player, or a player that's going to fit into one of those two buckets within the next year. And that really can kill your your the, the value of your total squad really, really easily. It's just kind of like hemorrhaging value a little bit um, as you're kind of looking at the roster construction and what you can do moving forward. Like those, if you if your league is one of those standard 15 supplemental picks and four waiver wire ads every year, you get 19 chances to pick a, a play, like a play, good player. And that's it. If you run out of those 19 chances, you can't pick any more, you know, so acquiring more of those chances or having, you know, a, a, you know, effectively ignoring some of those chances is just, just the biggest way to lose value in, in, in C2C rosters. So if you're a contender, just make sure if you're sending away picks, try to get as many picks as you're sending away back. Or in that scenario I was talking about earlier, where I was trying to buy two waiver claims from a team in my league who hasn't used them yet. Uh, you know, by spending one pick, but getting two players back that are going to be on your roster probably next year, you know, that, that kind of takes care of some of that problem too. So just make sure that you're, you're, you're effectively managing those roster spots, those draft picks and those waiver claims, because you, you just, you, you don't want to, to you know, have open roster spots or, or picks that you can't use or something else. Um, it just, you know, there should be some sort of maneuvering there that, that allows you to take care of that issue. If you're a rebuilder, less sexy, but I think the really cool thing about college fantasy and especially in rebuilding is that if you identify it early enough in the season, which is why I usually advocate, you know, by week four, week five, you should know, is my team a contender? Is my team a pretender? Because you can really stack up a lot of picks, especially in that two through five or, or around two through five or six range. And you can turn over a roster in a single off season so easily i have a team that's a it's a 16 team league that last year i took a couple of tough losses early in the season looked at my roster i was like i don't have enough waiver ads to make this team like you know competitive i moved a couple of players away um you know made some some kind of big trades i even you know i don't always advocate doing this but i traded away guys like tory horton in that league because i was like I, he's not providing me value this year i can get a lot for him in the tory horton deal i got a first round pick and Brian Thomas Jr. back. Now I didn't picture this was going to be Brian Thomas, but this is what I mean about, you know, managing you know, bench spots and, and, and things like that, because that was just another lottery ticket that ended up hitting for me this year. And that team is now seven to one. I lost last week because I made some, some start sit errors. Um, but that team is just demolishing right now. Uh, quite frankly, I'd be kind of surprised if it doesn't win that league. Um, so that's like the kind of, you know, you can take a bad team, and make it really good in one year if you're kind of stacking some of these picks, getting some of those um, uh, lottery ticket uh, future type guys uh, and kind of mash them all together. And it doesn't even have to be like, and everything goes right for you. And all of a sudden you're in business. Like you can just hit those picks at the same rate as everybody else. And, and, you know, kind of, you know, do nothing special and have a contender the following year. And that's what I think is really cool about C2C. That's why I tend to, uh, put a lot of my focus into the college side of things because that's just probably just going to filter through the rest of the roster 
as I'm kind of, you know, building and constructing that roster and kind of figuring out how things are going to look down there. So, um, again, you know, it's tough for me to, every league's a little bit different. I, I don't necessarily want to tell you, you know, here's the list of players that you sell. Here's the list of players that you don't sell. So I never know what you're going to be able to get in trades. I don't know, quite frankly, like, you know, are your league mates sharp? Are they active? Are they not sharp? Do they hate the trade? You know, all those different things kind of factor in. But if you have a young player who has multiple years of eligibility left, who probably uses them and is a, has already proven to be an important part of a good to great offense. Those are guys that I'm not selling unless I'm getting, you know, above market price, which is probably a second round, at least supplemental pick and probably like an early second round. And that's just some examples of guys that I put in the article this week, Kate on Salter, at Liberty, like I just think that guy's going to be a monster CFF guy. But as we just like, I Grayson McCall being bad this year, or you know, mortal or human or mediocre, whatever word you want to use to describe him, is like a death sentence for Kate on Salter. I know you and you evaluate all of these players individually, but for Grayson McCall to be really good with Jamie Chadwell and then be really average without him, maybe even slightly below average, and then watch Kate and Salter, who was average or maybe below average, have the exact opposite. Um, you know, trajectory once Jamie Chadwell got there, I think is very telling about, you know, what this offense can do for a player, which is awesome for CFF, maybe not so option uh, awesome for, for predicting NFL success. So guys like Kayon Salter, Haynes King at Georgia tech, Ashton Genty, Ismail Mahdi. Like those are all guys that I think are kind of viewed as CFF only Genty, the, the guy who has, and might, might have NFL aspirations. And I think he gets there whatever that's a different discussion for a different day um those are all guys that i think you need to make pretty expensive um tj finn like pretty, pretty much all the pieces of texas uh, uh texas state's offense quite frankly um outside of joey hobart who i believe is out of eligibility like and if any of them have a bunch of eligibility left and they're on one of these good offenses like just don't trade them that's that's not uh at least not without getting a pretty hefty amount back um because you know we have it, it, the landscape can always shift but generally you know you can just have a, a few of those guys in the same offense on the same team with roughly the same players around them you probably know what he's going to do next year with how difficult projecting college football from a fantasy perspective is those players are still worth quite a bit in my opinion um so don't trade them but like other guys i'm i'm, I'm pretty fine with moving at this point um, you know, and not even like even guys that have like two years of eligibility left, I'm okay moving them because I just think so much changes on, on a year to year basis that I'm not uh, terribly worried about holding on to them. I do think you have to be a little bit careful that you're not moving a guy. Like if you've got a, a receiver or a running back that's getting senior bowl buzz, I wouldn't just treat them as a CFF only guy, even if we've kind of been saying all year, like this guy's pro you probably can only use this guy for CFF stuff. You know, even if they they go to the NFL and are quite frankly, not very good. Um, there's, there's value there when they go in the third round or whatever, you know, think he's been fine this year, but think like Rasheed Rice, who you probably, if you weren't a good team last year, would have been tempted to move him at SMU for something. Uh, and is now, you know, a flex option on the college or on the NFL side. And that's, you know, the, you can never have too many of those flex options in these kind of formats where it's sometimes difficult to go out and buy more of them. If you have waiver claims or unlimited waivers, we've already kind of talked about the kinds of moves you need to make. One tip that I would make is just go into Fantrax and sort it by freshman, which yes, you can do. If you go to waivers, 
Um, and you you can like it gives you an option to just filter for a year and it will pick up like players that are listed as freshmen or technically like second or third year guys or whatever, but whatever, just sort by freshmen. And I would go through like 30 pages of them if you can, because sometimes you'll have teams in your league who just aren't patient enough in like the early and middle part of the season and they'll drop a guy that maybe they shouldn't have um, that can potentially have some value depending on how things change over the next year. Guys like Dallin Hayden was one last year that people actually kind of dropped and I picked him up in one or two spots. And this year I have found two Lincoln Kineholes is sitting out on waivers. Now, is he guaranteed to be the next QB at Ohio state? No. In fact, if I had to put money on it today, I would probably bet. No, he's probably not. But if he is, you saw how how hefty Kyle McCord's asking price got this offseason, and he's you know hasn't been particularly great, but it's just the starting quarterback at at Ohio State has a lot of value. So guys like that, if you find them out there, like that's that's the first move you're making, and then I think after that, just look and see if there's any other Debbie relevant guys that have kind of popped up late here in the season, um, and those those are the kind of moves that I'm making. Again, go listen to Jared's uh, CTN. Uh, chasing the natty episode this week to find uh some some you know cff dynasty type of type of guys that you're looking to stash and then i did just toss out one name of a debbie asset that i think uh i am looking to buy at the end of the season because if you can identify these guys for cheap now it's easier said than done you're probably going to get burned just as often as you find a hit but if you can go and get one of these guys and they blow up big the next year the return on investment is absurd and Caleb Jackson is a guy, LSU running back, that I'm really looking at this year. He's a really good athlete, good physicality. I think he runs pretty instinctually. And I think, you know, again, it's going to have to really depend on what they do, LSU does at running back next year. Does Logan Diggs come back? Does some of the other kind of, you know, bodies in front of him move? I, I'm not sure. And I think that makes it difficult to project. But those kinds of difficulties are what makes a player cheaper than they should. And Caleb Jackson, I think, you know, you're looking for the next Ollie Gordon, the next Marion Hampton, guys that were not terribly productive year one, didn't get a ton of opportunity year one, going into year two, were kind of written off because they didn't get that opportunity. And then when they do, they explode. And I do think that Caleb Jackson falls very neatly into that grouping, as does a guy like Jeremiah Love at, at Notre Dame, um, I, I'm sure there are some other names out there. You know, if I wanted to kind of pick through uh, Kedrick Roscano, I still think would be a guy. He's not going to take that job next year, but if something happens to Quinchon Judkins, he, he could blow up and, and make that a timeshare and then kind of take the job from there. So those are the kind of players that if you can, especially if you've kind of added some picks through some trading away of CFF guys, maybe you can get a little creative with acquiring. And I do think that generally uh, is a pretty solid idea here at the end of the season. And if you're feeling really ballsy and the guy who has like Brandon Ennis or jury on Dickey or something is willing to sell them for basically nothing. I'm fine spending basically nothing as a content, as a, as a, a, a rebuilder to kind of find out if there's anything there or not. That's going to do it for this week's key takeaway guys. Again, appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're checking out the other shows here on the collective podcast. I will talk to you guys next week.